<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Young Hefe, homes. So scary, won't let them bury me That's why I keep my 30, I shoot like carry And boy, I'm getting money, I'm getting money Uh-huh, these niggas hilarious Alright, welcome back to Don V Fridays And and uh, it went from a hot 757 over the weekend To a freezing cold 757 yesterday To back warm today at my post <laughs> All Everybody the survived the winter storm and the flooding, and um, yeah, man, <laughs> back at it, man, drifting the building. How you living, my boy? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's been uh, weather's been nuts here too. We got a bunch of lake effects snow today, and a uh, bunch of winds, everything going in different directions. But uh, it was a good weekend. I went down to Cincinnati with the family, watched the, the Bengals Chiefs game. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, other than that, but just, just chilling, man. Just excited about some of the new Virginia tech news. We'll get into that in a little bit, but, uh, we got a guest on today, treadmill horse. Uh, uh, what's, what's your name, bro? Introduce yourself to the rest of the people. Yeah, I'm Dan, uh, run treadmill horse, the, the Twitter account. Um, also run treadmillhorse.com. Um, if you follow treadmillhorse.com, like I don't post that often. Basically I just post like season previews, uh, week to week game previews and predictions occasionally i'll mix in stuff there about like a a mid-year check-in or like some thoughts on like the uniforms and stuff like that but but generally speaking it's just my thoughts on the game week to week and then like like reviewing the season like with a preseason preview so how does how the site get started like how'd you uh you know come up with the name and like get stuff going on there so I mean, I think a lot about Virginia Tech, like all the time. Like I'm, I'm a big message board guy. So I'm on tech sideline a lot. I'm on 24 seven a lot. And I just realized I had like a lot of thoughts and like a lot of thoughts be, being more than just like what you'd put on a message board. Like, so like that's how I got started on the Twitter. I just like wanted to throw my thoughts out there all the time. And then after that, I was like, well, kind of every week I like think about the game and analyze the game. And I was like, I, I want that to be more than just like a, a dumb message board post on tech sideline. So I was like, cool, I'm just going to spin up my own site on WordPress, like a blog site. And then I'll just start like writing up about like each game. Each game turned into like preseason previews. Um, and then like out of the Twitter account and that I got invited on like a couple of podcasts. So I started talking about that. And then like, once it became like a little bit more legit, then I was like, cool, I just got to keep this going. And it's been going since 2013. So now it's been going for, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. You I popping, know. you popping out here, Chief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, Appreciate what, that. What was the first year that you had the, the website up? 2013 or was it up before then? It was 2013. Like, honestly, like I was trying to spin the website up in like 2010 and 2011, but I just got like busy with work and life. And I'm just like, like, like when the days were really good, when we were in the ACC championship, when we were going to the Sugar Bowl and I was like, sweet, like, let's get this thing going. And then like the first year I really started working on it was 2012. And like, remember, that was like the downturn of the program. And then like it was really like spun up and going in 2013. And I was like, I, I kind of feel like <laughs> me getting really going on this stuff, like killed Virginia Tech football. But <laughs> I don't know. There'll, there'll, there'll be brighter days ahead. Yeah. Definitely. Nah, nah. Congrats. You you killed off a proud program. You should be proud of that. Where you from originally? You from the Commonwealth? Yeah, I grew up here in uh, Herndon, Virginia. Like I live in Reston okay. now, like the, the town over. Um. Yeah, like I went to school up here in Northern Virginia, went to Virginia Tech, 
I graduated from Virginia Tech in 2004. So I was there like 2001, 2002, 2003, and 2004. Um, and yeah, like those, those are some good days or some exciting days. Like, and I think the reason I'm such a Virginia Tech fan today is like that 04 season was just like magic. Like, like nobody picked us to do anything. Like we were like, we were picked out like the bottom of the conference and like the first year in the ACC. And then we came in with Brian Randall and company and just like shocked the world, won the ACC, beat Miami in the Orange Bowl. It was just like, it was an awesome time. It was super exciting. Like we had like a nationally ranked game against UVA at Lane Stadium, which was like my last game as a senior at Virginia Tech. Like we stormed the field afterward. It was awesome. Like I was like, it doesn't get any better than college football. Um, and ever since my time at Tech, like every Virginia Tech Saturday, like I'm there, I'm watching on TV, I'm going to the game. Like it's, it's like, a, it's part of my life. Gotcha. Hell yeah. You said, you said Herndon, Virginia. Yep. Man, listen, when I used to get a text message to go to Herndon, Reston, Chantilly, oh, no, I did not want to go. <laughs> I do not. I used to want no parts of none of that. None of so that's Fairfax County, right? That's Fairfax. Yep. Mm, God bless. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Fairfax County, man. They they took they took good care of your boy. But uh, nah. <laughs> what was what was your favorite? Well, I guess you said your favorite all time Virginia Tech moment. I guess well, you said it was. It wasn't that. It was actually the 03 Miami game. Um, mm. Just because, like, before the 03 Miami game, my, my whole experience at Tech was that we would get hyped up. We would win a lot of games early in the season. We'd go, like, midseason, like, 7-0, and like, ranked in the top 10. And then we'd have some, like, horrible loss and then, like, lose, like, four out of five down the stretch, right? So, like, mm. I'm just kind of like, well, like, we're a team that, like, gets hyped up and never does anything. And then, like, but that 03 Miami game, and that was coming off, like, a really bad loss to, like, West Virginia. But, like, everyone right. was still hyped up. They're, like, they're, like, people were pissed after, like, the 01 Miami game where, like, Ernest Wilford dropped the two-point conversion, which would have tied the game. And that was, like, a legendary 01 Miami team. Like, so everyone was hyped. Like, I got to the state. I was in my seat two hours before, like, kickoff. Like, I was ready to go. Like, everybody showed up early. Like, and that's the first game that I ever remember. It may have happened before this game, and I know people say the band did it before. It's the first game that I remember Enter Sandman and everybody jumping up and down and everybody, like, going crazy. Like, Enter Sandman for that game felt like a rock concert. And, mm. like, and then, like, we went out 131-7. to D'Angelo Hall had that, like, fumble return for touchdown. Like, the game wasn't ever, like, really particularly close. Like, I felt like the whole town of Blacksburg stormed the field. It was nuts. Like, so that game was, like, outside, even outside of Virginia Tech, my favorite sports memory, like, ever, like, in any situation. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, now you was in the building for some, you was in the building for history. Yes, yeah, huge. That was games. history right there. That was, like, our, what, first win versus top three program? It was history right there. I think it might still be our only win versus top five, but yeah, it's the it's the best one I can remember. Damn, were you a Tech fan before you went to college there? I was not, which is weird because like I don't have any like friends or like familial connection to Virginia Tech. Like I'm like uh, the first person in my family go to Tech. One thing I'll remember that I remember is that I was thinking about going to Tech, and this was like my junior year of high school. Um, and Michael Vick was playing in the national championship. So like I watched, I didn't watch the entire national championship. I watched part of the national championship, but I just remember thinking this, this Vick guy's pretty good. And uh, Virginia Tech looks like a pretty cool school. Um, and then like two years later, I ended up going to Tech. But yeah, like that was, that was my only experience as like anything Virginia Tech related before I actually stepped foot on campus. Gotcha, okay. And where, where does the name Treadmill Horse come from? Well, it's like the whole, like, it's, well, it's, it's part of, like, the Virginia Tech commercial from, like, back in the day. Like, I don't know when they stopped airing it. They stopped airing it, like, maybe, like, five years ago or something. 
Right. But every time you'd watch a Virginia Tech game in like the late OOs, you'd see like like the horse running on the treadmill, right? Facts. And like I was just like, this is something that all Virginia Tech fans, if you watch Virginia Tech football, basketball on TV, and they play the Virginia Tech commercial, it's that horse running on the treadmill. So I was like, cool, treadmill horse, it works. Virginia Tech fans can identify with it. Let's go. Gotcha. See, that's something I never saw because I'm out of the I'm out of the area and I'm a little young, so I don't really yeah, remember they would those show that commercials. commercial every week. <laughs> and then they had the commercial when they sent the what was it like a stuffed uh the turkey the mascot they sent it into space they had that commercial. Uh, that the, I think that's when they started phasing out like the, the treadmill horse. When, yes. When they sent the hokey bird into space, they're like, okay, we've had enough treadmill horse. Now 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 let's send this thing into space. So I don't know. And then they had the commercial where. The the lady, the, the girl, the young lady was running the stairs. They should have kept showing that one. I was feeling that <laughs> one. She was kind of fire, bro. Like, girl that ran up those stairs. Come on, Donvie Fridays, tell your story. You was looking fire in that commercial, young lady. With all due respect. Help, help me out here. Like, it was was she running the Lane Stadium stairs or was it like yes. random stairs on camps? All right. I think Lane I Lane Stadium. That. She was kind of fire. <laughs> so let's get into some of these coaching hires. I want to get your take on some of the recent news. Uh, we could start from the top. You can work your way down. Obviously, the most recent news is the Joe Rudolph stuff. Uh, but start with, with Brent Pry when that got announced. You know, what, what, are your, what are some of your thoughts, obviously, being a longtime tech fan? So my initial reaction was kind of like this, like not a name that I expected, right? Um, there was a lot more names that like I thought were probably going to come up before Brent Fry's name. Um, I know he wasn't super popular with a lot of the tech fan base, but I like Dave Clawson was a one that I, that I thought was probably going to happen before any of the like rumors came out. That's the one that I was like, okay, this guy's the most likely guy to come to tech. I mean, I know some people were like, yeah, that's cool. Some people didn't like it, but I was like, that that would it would make sense. Um, I kind of like the Brent Pry was kind of out of left out of left field and not a lot of people were talking about it. Just because the the hires that end up being like successful nowadays, like he kind of fits the profile, right? Like yeah. the year that we hired Fuente, like like Kirby Smart got hired at Georgia right so alabama defensive coordinator not like a huge name but like a name that people knew because he was at bama and like he went to georgia and got put a nice staff together and got some things done um when i heard brad pry like that's kind of like the first name i thought of like you got a guy who's who's like who's got good experience he's he did a great job at penn state penn state when he was there always produced top-notch defense um kind of an off the radar hire but one that makes sense for this program. And it makes sense in like a lot of ways. Like first off, like, as you guys know, from like the Fuente era, we got away from like that lunch pail, like hard nosed defense mentality. Like that's literally. our culture. Got rid of the lunch pail, literally. Like it's gone. Go. No, you pail. got it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we just got to get back to that, man. We got to get back to playing hard-nosed defense. Like, I don't care what the rest of the ACC is doing. I don't care if they're running spread. Like, like, it, like it's our identity in Blacksburg, like, to play hard-nosed defense and just get after it. Like, if that means we score by running the ball 100 times, cool. Like, we'll do that. But we're playing defense first. So I think Brent Pry gets us back to that that identity, which I'm really happy about. Thanks. Uh, it, it it fits the culture. It fits what's Virginia Tech's been all about for a really long time. Brings back like the days of the lunch pail. Um, and as long as he can get a good staff together and start recruiting, like specifically in Virginia and this region, like I, I think there's no reason Virginia Tech can't can't get back to winning a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Uh, and, and when you talk about the rest of the staff, you know, I guess we can kind of get into that. Obviously, that's a big thing, uh, you know, building the rest of the staff, guys that can can come in and recruit. And how do you think that's going so far? We kind of kind of got everybody except for the wide receivers coach at this point. I think it's a good staff. I think it's solid. Um, the one I'm most excited about is Joe Rudolph. 
like the Wisconsin O-line coach. Yes. And like, I'm a big culture guy. And I think uh, Don V like you, you, you follow my stuff and know to, to know that like, I'm, I think culture first, right? Like you got to establish that. So first off culture is going to be hard nosed defense, but second off you need an offensive identity too. And your identity can be like, we're just going to maul you, you know, we're going to get like the biggest, toughest guys we can find on the offensive line. And we're going to push you around all day. Like, and that's what Beamer ball was back in like the early days of Beamer ball, like back in like 95 with like when we beat Texas in the sugar bowl, like it was like our offensive line was just going to maul you. And we were going to run the ball down your throat, like at every opportunity. I, I think with Joe Rudolph and like, with what he did with the O-lines in Wisconsin and bringing that attitude and identity and mentality to Blacksburg, I, I think we can get back to that. Obviously, you got to have, like, the studs up there on that line. They're, they're going to push people around, but I think I think we're off to a good start. Yeah. And Joe Rudolph, he brought in some five-star recruits at Pitt and Wisconsin during his time at both universities. Yep. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited like a- for Joe Rudolph. I'm, I'm very excited for Joe Rudolph. Yes, me too. One thing I like about O-line and O-line recruiting is, like, if you've got a good O-line coach, it doesn't matter where these guys are coming from in the country. They'll seek that coach out and go play for him. Yes. So, like, that, that'll help us out a lot. Yes. And development for O-line is massive, and it's key to have a coach that can keep guys around and develop guys as they get older. And I think that's one of the things he did well at Wisconsin. He would breed kids that, when you know, they turn seniors, they haven't played yet, and they're massive. They step on the field and destroy kids for an entire year. So uh, that, if he can bring some of that over to Virginia Tech and, like you say, establish that run, uh, I think we're, we're going to finally have an identity on offense. We ran the ball all year, but we still didn't have an identity on offense this past year. So it's good to get back to that. Get back to fourth and two. You know what we're doing, and you can't stop it. That's what I need. I need that type of energy in my life. Yes, yes, big facts. And uh, in terms of the passing offense, what, what do you, how do you think that's going to look with, with so much emphasis on the running game? <clears throat> I'm really not sure because I don't know what um, this guy from Georgia State's bringing to the table. What I want to see is, like, just a dynamic run game. Like, I really don't see us lining up in power eye, so I don't think that's what it's going to look like. Mm-mm. I think it's going to be some sort of, like, a spread like spread power game um, where we're running the ball a lot, running the ball with the quarterback, running the, running the ball with running backs. I'm not sure we've seen the end of jet sweeps, so, like, I, I could see that, like, coming back. But, like, I think a smarter – offensive coach will be you'll use those a little bit more sparingly yeah i mean like and if you want an example of that like pit pit uses jet sweeps a lot and their offense is pretty effective and the reason it's effective is because like they pick and choose their spots when to use it um yeah honestly like now that i think about it since i brought up pit like their offense would look similar to pits like the ru- offense that pit runs like they'll still spread you out but they still got the guys on the o-line they like to run the ball a lot Obviously, like in the past couple of years, it's been a little different because they got Kenny Pickett, so they want to use Kenny Pickett a lot. Um, but like outside of having Kenny Pickett, Pitt likes to run the ball and then like be able to use some play action off that run game to go downfield. Um, and I'd imagine it'd be like kind of like a short intermediate passing game and then like use play action to set up like shots downfield. But that, that's what I'm anticipating from this coaching staff. I think we're still kind of in wait-and-see mode because it's a bunch of new offensive coaches that have never been put together. But just based on, like, how it's set up, like, that that seems like the direction we're going in. Gotcha. Okay. Right, right, right. So you was vocal. You were one of the few, that, not me and Drift, that were vocal against the – you wasn't as nasty as we was about Fuente, but you used to speak your mind about Fuente – um did you ever catch any heat did, did people ever say be more positive did you ever feel the the pressure to be more positive um during fuente's tenure i think i tried to be polite about it like honestly like i tried not to like ruffle feathers and like honestly one thing that held me back is that like fuente follows me on twitter so i'm not gonna mm. like, hey fuente you're like the worst coach in virginia tech history and in the acc so i kind of held back a little 
But one mm. thing that I, I always do on my Twitter account and on my blog, and I think this bothers some people, I'll always tell it like it is. I'll, I'll be honest about like what's going on. And like, I frequently pick tech to lose games um, because it's like what I truly believe. Mm-hmm. And with Fuente, I like kind of called it as I, as I saw it. Like I thought our offensive, like, um, well, specifically our offensive coordinator um, didn't really have a good idea of what he was doing. Um, I've seen a lot of people call him a high school offensive coordinator. I, I agree with that assessment. Like, I don't think he should be a power five D one offensive coordinator. Um, I'm not exactly sure what Fuente saw in him to think that he was the right guy for the job, but well, that, that ship has sailed. Um, and Fuente himself, like, I honestly think he's a guy who could be successful at a different school. Like, I think if he went back down to like G five or FCS and he was in the right situation, I think he could figure it out. I think like legitimately he's like a good offensive mind. Like he knows what he's doing there. Um, I just think he put the wrong people in control of our offense. Um, And like some coaching moves that like he made didn't work out. I think he's clueless in recruiting. Like I think he had like no clue what he was doing in recruiting up here. I agree. Um, Like, I don't think that it was like a calamity to like hire Fuente. I think that there was things about him that you would think, okay, cool. Like, this might work out, but like when, like when things happened, when guys left, when coaches left, like, and it was like truly his program, he has to recruit and bring his own guys in, bring his own coaches in. It just didn't work out. Like it just like, it it all fell apart. So his biggest biggest issue, Fuente's biggest issue is he couldn't manage people. Yes. And, um, he, he he got into his Chip Kelly bag. And when Chip Kelly was coaching the Eagles for the first two years, they was winning 10 games. And he started to believe little by little, okay, the people in the parts don't matter. If the people do what I say do, we'll be successful. But football is not like that. You got 80-something scholarship kids. You got 20-something more walk-ons. You got coaches – a hundred some people are looking towards you as as a man and as a leader. You can't look back at them as just parts and cogs in your engine. So I think he mismanaged people and that's what ended up doing them in. I do agree that at G5, if he's can just lock himself in rooms and break down film and come up with schemes, he, he'll be successful. But he has to learn how to manage his ego and manage people before he can ever consider being a head coach again. Right. I think his ego got in the way a little here. I think he had really good seasons at Memphis. He's like, I'm Justin Fuente. I got the Virginia Tech gig. Like, mm-hmm. life is good. Yep. And, like, he, he, he started reading his press clippings and got, like, a little too big for his britches and thought, like, hey, like, it's Justin Fuente's way or the highway. And like <clears> he said, Vito, like, like that, it just didn't work here. Like the reason that Bud, Fo- that Bud Foster and Frank Beamer were so successful is like those players would like bust their ass for those guys because they believed in them and they knew that those guys believed like in them too. And like they would do anything to go out and play for those guys. I know for a fact that the players did not feel that way about Justin Fuente. Like yes. he was just another coach. Yep. Yep. He's an ex nose coach and not a coach that like you felt a personal connection to. He wasn't personable. Even Gunnar Givens said recently uh, that he wasn't, he wasn't as personable as Brent Pry even. And that's, you know, obviously a, a recruit that hasn't even stepped foot on campus, but um, you know, when was, when was the point for you that you kind of like jumped off the ship and you were like, hold up, I, I need to like reassess this current regime. Like, was there a moment for you that you kind of like felt that way? Yeah. I mean, like, Well, I would say it was like two moments and it was in the same season. They were both in 2018. The first time that I was like, this might not work out was the ODU game. Just because I was like, there's like Virginia Tech has no business losing this game. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm okay losing a game like that when that team is just like playing lights out. You just have turnovers all over the place. And like, it's just, it just snowballs on you. But I didn't see that game like that. We, they just straight up like whooped us. Like mm. they, they were just better than us that day. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? So like that really made me question like, hey, like, like we heard a lot of good things about Justin Fuente, but that day I was like, 
this thing might not work out. And then the second time, and like, I'm trying to make sure I got my seasons right, but I think it was that same season against Pittsburgh. Mm. <laughs> When they were when they were going like for like twelve point some yards of play mm-hmm. against us and like I don't even remember the final score I just remember being suit like as embarrassed as I've ever been as a Virginia Tech fan just because there was just n- nothing that we could do to stop them in any way shape or form and they just dragged us up and down the field all day long. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough. Um, I, it was it was definitely hard to watch, uh, you know, especially for you as being like a long time Virginia Tech fan, seeing kind of the program turn down that route and lose its identity. Obviously, I'm younger, so I have less of you know I don't really remember the '04 days like you do, but um, yeah, it definitely definitely sucks. And Fuente stayed following you through, through during all this. Uh, well, two things. Yes. And also, I don't think he actually uses Twitter. So I don't think he's taken the time to like unfollow all of his Virginia Tech. Team. So he still follows you currently. Uh, I haven't checked it in a while, but I, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely hey, don't think hey, he's. Shout out to you, bro. You got Fuente <laughs> following you, bro. I don't even think Fuente uh, read my tweets. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's probably been weeks, if not months, that Fuente has not logged into Twitter, but who knows? I'm sure, I'm sure that unfollow is coming. Do you think he's going to coach in 2022? Or do you um, think if I were him, I, yeah, I don't think he will. I think he, it's probably good for him to take like a, just a year off, think about things, reevaluate, um, connect with some other coaches, like network, see what's out there. Like, I honestly think like his career is like far from over. Like we, we haven't heard the last of Justin Fuente. He'll get another gig. I honestly don't think it'll be an FCS gig. I think he'll get a G5 gig somewhere, um, probably closer to home, probably closer to Oklahoma. Um, and like, yeah, he'll just start rebuilding. But like, I think next time around, he's going to think long and hard about who he wants to put on his staff. Like, is he going to bring the same guys that he had at Virginia Tech with him to that next stop? Or is he like going to start, start from scratch and like rebuild mm-hmm. and like work his way back? But like, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure we haven't seen the last of Justin Fuente. Yeah, I could see him ending up at like a North Texas or something. That, that, that's exactly the type of school I was thinking. Yeah, man, don't put that on. Don't wish that on North Texas, man. I got friend, <laughs> I got friend that went to North Texas. Hey, 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 it it might work out. You never know. <laughs> Crazier things have happened. That's for sure. All right, I want you to cut, bench, start, running back edition. Kevin Jones, Ryan Williams, or Khalil Herbert? Who you cutting? Who you benching? Who you starting? Cut, bench, start. Man, this is a tough one. Yeah, because you're going to make me say something bad about one of them. I don't say anything bad about any of them. (laughs) Damn. All right. Like, I'm definitely not, like – cutting like Khalil Herbert so like he's like because I'm a huge fan like I'm super Khalil Herbert super fan so he's safe and then I have to pick whether to cut like KJ or Ryan Williams Mm -hmm. damn like this is rough (laughs) I'm gonna cut Ryan Williams even though like I hate to do it um just because (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like there and I'll, I'll explain like you, you gotta stick with me don be like no, i'm gonna much... explain like there there are moments where i thought like his vision like he's like ultra talented his vision was questionable for a while there i thought that like with better vision he could have done better that's the only reason but like i i think he's like one of the elite running backs in virginia tech history um i'm gonna bench khalil just because i don't think he's like on the same level as KJ in his prime. And then like KJ has got to get the start. Like we've never had like a more explosive, like electric running back than Kevin Jones. Like, the, the, like go back and watch like film on Kevin Jones at Virginia Tech. He did stuff like stuff like when he was here that like nobody's ever done before. Like, look, he was, he, he made the college game like in the power five look like he was playing high school. Like he was just running circles around guys. Nah, so, thanks. like, we're, we're, st- we're starting, KJ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn, Rue. 
Hey, yeah, he from he from Manassas. That's your Northern Virginia brother. I you know, know, man. I, I love that guy. Like, I'll, I'll take all if if we're talking about a Justin Fuente ten running back system, I'm, I'm taking all three of them. <laughs> ten running back system. Vito, what's Justin your, what's Fuente would have had all three of them and started like the like whoever was least talented than the all three of them. <laughs> Vito, what's your uh, what's your three? Oh, I'm starting Rue. Uh, Ryan Williams gets to start all day. Um, uh, I, I would bench KJ. Shout out Kevin Jones. And um, I'm sorry, Juice. You you did some great things, my boy. But I got to go with Rue and KJ all day. Yeah, I'm probably. I just, I, yeah, I can't cut Khalil Herbert. Like, sorry. <laughs> I, I love the guy too much. Yeah. I think I'm cutting Khalil, but I'm starting. Uh, I'm starting Kevin Jones. I think that's mine. Similar though, similar. So you benching a little sweetness. Yeah. I don't know. I think I need to go back into the history books and, and look at what what little sweetness was doing. He was dragging dudes ten yards from NC State, dragging dudes, running dudes over. He had speed. Yeah, he had shake. Dead leg was returning punts. He muffed and never returned again. But um, no, nah, Rue was he was one of them dudes for reals. Yeah, don't tweet that out because then people are gonna come after me and be like, Oh, like treadmill horse said he'd like <laughs> cut Rue, but yeah, treadmill horse said cut Rue. <laughs> yeah, but, but, quote, quote that, like, there you go, <laughs> no context, zero context. <laughs> So this been a this been a burning topic. It's been going on for the last two three weeks. It's the transfer portal and NIL. This is the first off season where the transfer portal and NIL has basically flipped college football. Every team basically has half their rosters free agents. You know where where do you stand on both? and the combination of the two. So like, it's something that was like bound to happen in college football. Um, Like both of the things, like the pre-transfer portal and NIL, like I love both of them in the sense that the players like have more power and they deserve more power. Right. Right. They've been making money for all these schools and all these networks for years. Right. Like probably for like half a century. The beginning and of they're time. like, cool. Yeah. Like enjoy your textbooks, enjoy your dorm, enjoy your scholarship, and like stop talking so much. So I love it for the players. Like one thing that always bothered me about like the the old transfer rules is like if I'm a student and I want to transfer like from tech to Clemson or like wherever, like no one's gonna stop me. They're like, cool, sounds good. Go wherever right. you want, go wherever the heck you want to go. Um, if I'm a player, they're like, they've got these crazy rules. It's like, oh yeah, you can go, but you got to sit for two years. And like, you got to deal with a lot of nonsense. Yeah. We got to prove where you go. You can't go to a rival, stuff like that. I I thought that was goofy. I thought it was a terrible system. And I'm like, so these guys, these guys are students just like everyone else, but you're like, you're handcuffing them in terms of like where they can go. So I didn't like that. So I like now like the, the transfer rules. It's like more open transfer. At least you got like one transfer, wherever the heck you want. No questions asked. I think that's really good. Yep. And then NIL, like NIL, like I, I always thought like, so these guys are adults, like they're over 18 right. and like anywhere else in society, if you're over 18, like you can like make a living, you can get paid, you can do what you want. Cause like you're like essentially like a grown ass man. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like, you've got like college athletics being like, Oh no, 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 no. Like pull that back. Can't make money. You can't, you can't do this. You can't do that. And like, I just think that it kind of levels the playing field. Like if these networks and these colleges and these conferences are going to make like millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, at least let players like take advantage of their own little share of that. Like whether that takes the form of like you get free mission barbecue once a week, or it takes the form of like, you're getting paid like a $2 million a year endorsement to endorse whatever the heck you're endorsing. 
Right. But like, I, I, I just think of it like it's really important for the players to be able to get paid. I think yep. it like levels the playing fields be- between the players and like the schools and the conferences and the networks. And like, I think it's something that's been a long time coming. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 and you, the coaches, the Dabos who, who has spoken out against players getting paid and transfer portal, they got to adapt or get the fuck on. Um, it's no, they no longer, the ball's no longer in their court. Um, I know Dabo has been against the transfer portal and everything. And, um, you see, he ain't came out publicly and said shit lately because yeah. he know eventually he's going to have to play ball. So um, it it is the Wild West right now. Caleb Williams is in the portal from Oklahoma, and he basically said that he ba- – I'm not quoting him, but this is what he basically said. I can't talk to other schools about NIL deals and possible NIL deals as an Oklahoma quarterback, that's illegal. So he's in the portal just to hear everybody's pitch. Um, it's crazy right now. That's all I'm saying. But yeah. What do you What do you think of that? Like in terms of leaving the like heading into the portal just for nil purposes. I mean, obviously there is an element there where he does want to leave, and I can understand that because his coach just left, but. Like publicly saying, I am going to hear deals. Like, what do you think about right. that? And I might not leave. Right, right. I'm just listening now. He just playing the market. Right. So I like it. I think it's interesting because it's basically like playing free agency. So like professional free agency, but at the college level. So I think it's right. genius because I think he's going to end up with some big NIL deals just based on that. Oh, yeah. Um, And I'm going to like reframe this like a little bit. So like Kenny Pickett, right? Kenny Pickett sat out the Peach Bowl because he's like, I got millions on the line. I'm not going to put those millions in jeopardy. I'm sitting out like this big bowl game. And everyone's like, oh, like, how can Kenny Pickett do this? This is like awful. And I'm like, dude's got like millions of dollars like waiting for him. And it's like, if those were millions of dollars waiting for you, are you really going to like be the one to turn that down and be like, I've really got to go play this game for free and put that in jeopardy? No, like most people wouldn't make that decision. And it's the same thing with NIL. It's like really easy to say, oh, Caleb Williams should just stay at like Oklahoma. He's got a good gig. Everything's going well for him there. But it's also like, yeah, but he could make like, I don't know, one million plus dollars in like NIL if he's taking offers from USC, I don't know, Miami, Georgia. Bama, Georgia, right. like Clemson, who knows, like. Like all these offers could come in. It's like he's just playing the market. Like it's free agency. That's what he's doing. Right. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I understand what they're doing in terms of the money situation because like there's just so much on the line. Like you you can make in like Bryce Young had I think a million plus before he even took a snap this year. And after the season that Caleb Williams just had, he could be heading for even more than that. So I can see it. Um I think in a fo- from a football standpoint, though, it makes sense why he would enter the transfer portal as well. I just think publicly saying it is what was crazy about him doing that. That was wild. It also, publicly, Texas A&M basically said they spent $30 million on their last recruiting class. That is nuts. How much do you think that, that's, that's That's like an MLS payroll. <laughs> that better be more than an MLS payroll. <laughs> So guys, when I when I hear numbers like that, I always think, okay, how much money are these schools making that they can justify paying money like that? So like that's what I start thinking about. So that just shows you like the crazy money that exists in college football specifically that they can justify paying and like I don't know if it's that's that's thirty million dollars for just one year. I'm I'm assuming that's what that means, but yeah, it's crazy money. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that makes me wonder. They probably just added up all the deals that they paying out because Texas and them recruiting class isn't even finished. They expected to land more, mm-hmm. so their class is um, crazy. Their class is crazy right now, and um, if Texas A and M is willing to come out and just say because it's all recruiting, ABC always be recruiting. Texas A and M is basically putting an amount on their recruiting class to let. Later recruiting classes down the line, no, we're we're spending. And also, Texas probably, you know, Longhorns, I'm pretty sure they probably spent 25, 30 million too. So it's definitely an arms race and 
It's crazy out here. Everybody's calling their corporate sponsors. Like everyone. Yeah. Everyone's oh, getting yeah. that money in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Don't we got a Bezos connect? We need to hit him up. Bro. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we got to get the Amazon sponsorship. <laughs> Bezos, come on down for Fridays. Tell your story. <laughs> that's like that's like a nickel for Bezos. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for real. His wife could pay that. Shout out to yeah. Mackenzie Bezos. Yeah, call, yeah, call Mackenzie, could. but we got a better chance with Mackenzie. Give, give her a call. Yeah. yeah. Those numbers always have me wondering how much money Virginia Tech will, would spend on their recruiting class or if we would spend any money on a recruiting class. Um, so I don't really know. I mean, it had, that's always kind of what I think. They about to take that free food at Sharky's or one of them places like that. <laughs> we ain't about to drop no $30 million on nothing. Nothing. Yep. You better take that them free wings from PKs. Call it a night. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think this is one of the things that hurts Tech. If Tech was in like a uh, metropolitan area, mm. then yeah, like there's corporate sponsors left and right. That's like cool. We'll get NIL, but like in Blacksburg, Virginia, with like Roanoke is like the biggest near, like the closest town. Mm-hmm. To Virginia Tech, like what, like what do corporate sponsors have to gain by throwing like NIL deals left and right to Virginia Tech, like football and basketball players? Yeah, unless probably like not that much. Fans. Yeah, like some, like it's not nothing, but it's definitely less than like if you go to school and like let's say like Atlanta or Miami, or you're just closer to like a big metro area. Yeah, no, right, for sure. Right, even even Ohio State is in Columbus, the state capital, so. It- Location, location, location. Mm-hmm. I think Columbus is state capital. Somebody correct me. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's right. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure it's the state capital of Ohio. I should know. I'm a Bengals fan, but I still don't know. <laughs> Speaking of Cincinnati, Cincinnati lost to Bama in the playoff game. Um, I don't think nobody was surprised, but I thought Cincinnati Bearcats, um, I think they – Looked okay, and they didn't get embarrassed. Um, Bama beats the shit out of elite teams. So for Cincinnati or G5 team to be on that stage and uh, compete the way they did, I think Sauce Gardner made himself a lot of goddamn money uh, with them receivers. Uh, What was your thoughts on the playoff? Michigan got the shit kicked out of them. Um, What was your thoughts on the playoffs in general? It played out like I thought it was going to play out. I was really happy to let that they let Cincinnati in. Like I think it was like, like it was overdue. Like a, a G five team needed to make the playoff. I'm glad that they like broke that glass ceiling, got to the playoff. But what I also knew like Cincinnati's like a good team, like a really good team. But I'm like they're not on the same level as Bama. Bama's like an NFL team. Like they're they're like a factory. So I'm like, I knew that Bama was going to work. I actually thought they held their own pretty well. Like, I don't think any of the other teams that were like arguing that they should have been in the playoff would have done any better than Cincinnati did. So I I really felt like they held their own in that game. Um, Georgia, Michigan, like it it played out like I thought it was going to play out. Like, and ultimately, like we're, we're down to what I think are like the two best teams. Like, unfortunately, they're both from the SEC, but that's just like where we're at in college football these days. Like, yeah. The two best teams are in the SEC, and that's fine. Like, what I would like to see in the future is just, like, a, a more expanded playoff. I'd love to see, like, a 16-team playoff. Yeah. Um, and, like, 16, yes. Mm. Like, and if Like, here's the thing. Like, if we played 16-team playoff this year, like, we'd still end up with Bama and Georgia. Cool. That's right. fine. But it'd be interesting as hell and fun as hell to get there. And right. I think if people would be really interested and make a lot of money. Um, the, the fans of like the 16th team would be super happy to have the 16th team playing Bama in the playoff. And it just makes college football a lot more interesting for everyone. I'm not one of these guys. that's like, Oh, like the, the regular season sacred and you can't touch the regular season, like regular season is still going to be interesting, but like, you're just trying to find the best 16 teams for the playoff. Now yeah. you realize that a 16 team playoff, would just mean 12 through 16 would be like four loss SEC teams. Sounds good. I, I'd still watch those games. I'd yeah. be excited about those games. I'd get a beer. <laughs> I might tailgate. Like, I'd have a great time watching. They them, will so. put in four loss SEC teams 
the the Arkansas, the Auburns, they would slick all them motherfuckers in over like conference runner-ups from other conferences. I just want to prepare y'all for what's coming. It's it's all good, man. As long as we can find a way that the SEC doesn't make like six times as much money in TV money than, than we uh-huh. do, I think it's fine. I, I'm sure that they will, but um, I, I just want to see see college football get a little more interesting and like the current system with the bowls and the opt outs. Like it's just it's 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 like past past its time. It's it's dead. Like we got to do something different. Yeah, bowl season. Bowl bowls are dead. It's yeah. that shit is a dope. I would really like to see the playoff format if it expands to have like the first round be home games for the higher seed. I think that'd be really interesting. Like if you, if you apply that to like this playoff, like imagine if like Georgia had to go up to Ann Arbor to play Michigan. Like, I think that, I think that'd be really cool. It would also give seeding like more meaning. So like, like the, being the eighth seed is better than the ninth seed because AC gets home seed advantage over, over nine, just shit like that. Like, I think that would be really cool. And then game day could go to like these colleges as well to like go to these games um, so I think if they do expand it, have the first round be like home games for these teams uh, so that the regular season like kind of continues into the playoffs uh, for yeah. the schools. And, and, and more uh, revenue. Yeah, make more money for the schools. Uh, I think it would just be fun like all around. So I agree. Speaking of bold. Love- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say I love the idea. Like I'm completely on board. And, I, and I'm a big believer in the fact that college football is much better played in the home stadiums than in these like neutral sites. I'll tell yeah. you why it won't happen though. Cause like they, they love being like, this is like the all state sugar bowl and like they can have a big corporate sponsor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. sell a lot of insurance or whatever. And if you play it in a home stadium, you do not get like the corporate sponsor. See, I, I think game. they can, I think they can still do that though, but it would just be like second and third round and semifinals finals. Like I think just the first round, because there's so many games, you could keep that like unsponsored and at home, even though they might want to do that. I mean, they could probably make more money and they're probably not going to listen to me, but um, you, I feel like you could still have those bowl games, those sponsorships just a little later in the playoff and kind of mix it in with both. I'm just really cynical, and I know college football too well. And if, there, if there's a dollar to be made, they're going to do that. Yeah. Man, they don't I care agree. who the sponsor is. They don't care what the company is. <laughs> Don V Friday is going to sponsor a bowl game when we blow up. So <laughs> get ready for it. Uh, you watched the pinstripe bowl. What was your thoughts on the pinstripe bowl? So I thought we, I thought Virginia Tech was going to do a lot better than we did. Um, and I, I don't know, like, I kind of, like, went back. So, like, my initial pick on, like, the blog was uh, Maryland was going to win 28 to 17. And I, like, I honestly spent some time thinking about it. I'm like, why did I think that? Um, like, I knew people were out. Our quarterback was out. Our receivers were out. Like, our corners were out. Um, I just thought that there was enough left that, like, it would be a competitive game. I didn't mm-hmm. expect us – I didn't expect Maryland to beat the brakes off of us just because I don't think Maryland's that good a team. I still don't think that they're that good a team, but I think it was one of those games where like you give up like the big punt return, like after the first drive of the game and then it just snowballs on you. Like, it's just like, Oh my God, like we're, we're undermanned. We're like, the offense isn't doing anything. We can't get a first down. And then like Maryland just starts rolling. And like, that's just what happened to us. We got we definitely got our asses spanked. We got fifty piece, no Polynesian sauce, no honey mustard. They beat the <laughs> shit out of us. Um, it, I was I was I was mad at the game, not because we lost, not even because we got blown out. I was mad because it we didn't take a lot of positives going into twenty twenty two. I felt yeah, if if we would have had. If Taj Bullock would have went out there and took his lumps, but showed us, and he did play, and he did get some, there is something out there, but I feel like starting Blumrick, playing Blumrick, did nothing for us. Um, I felt like, like, fuck it, it was a glorified scrimmage anyway. We had how many opt-outs and transfers. Fuck it, let's see what the youngest got, but more than just one quarter when we get our ass kicked. Um, I, I felt like they should have just went with a youth movement, we got blown out anyway, so like I wanted to see uh, a lot of the younger players play and 
see if we have building blocks going forward. I mean, like, I, there's like, like, it's like you said, like, Don V, like, there, there, there's like a people aspect to it. So I don't know that like a coach is going to be like, hey, Blumrick, like, take a seat. We're going to play the young guy. Like, I think that's the right move. I think that's what they should have done. I kind of don't understand why they didn't do that. Cause like, it's kind of like a free opportunity to do it. But I kind of get it. Like, Blumrick's like the older guy, the veteran. And they're like, we're going to let him start this game. And honestly, there was like, I still believe this. There was nothing to gain or lose from that game. Like, who cares? Like, we're in between, like, we're in a transition. Like, half the damn team, like, transferred or opted out. But, like, I do think in, like, in one way, there was, like, an opportunity to take a look at the young quarterback. Like, for whatever reason, they punted on that. Um, and since they let him play in, like, a blowout where it was just a weird game, like, I, I'm not taking anything away from it. Like, Bullock might be awesome. He might be terrible. I'm not making any judgments based on the pinstripe ball. Like it was, it was a, it was a scrimmage. It might as well have been the spring game. Right. Yeah. It was definitely just tough to see, like, just kind of really no fight in the team. And like, we, we really got like not a whole lot of flashes from the young guys. I mean, other than the, the pay like bomb on the right side of the field, that was good to see. Um, we got some young backs, but like, I really thought, I think the most disappointing thing to me was the defense in general. Like I really thought the defense could have played better. Uh, I didn't think there was too many opt-outs and transfers on the defense. Like I think they could have held their own a little bit more than they did. And it was just kind of hard to see them give up 50 pieces. You know, it was just kind of a little, little sad. Yeah, man. Where you at on J ham? J ham is departing. Uh, you smoking J ham pack. You sad. where you at on that? I'm a fan because, like, I was in school when Jay Ham was in school. Like, so I love the guy. Like, Jay Ham's awesome. Like, I can't say enough good things about him. Um, I just don't think he was ready to be a Power Five defensive coordinator. Um, and I think elevating them, him to that position, like, prematurely before he was, like, ready to take on that role. I kind of see it like the same thing as, like, when JJ, when uh, James Johnson was our basketball coach. I think he's a good basketball coach. I think he's a good dude, like, and he can do good things, like, and work his way up to that. He just wasn't ready to be, like, a, an ACC basketball coach. That's not a knock against him. It's, like, the same thing with Jay Ham as a defensive coordinator. Like, he needs a little more seasoning. He needs a little more experience, and he, he could probably benefit from having a couple more stops along the way before he takes on that role. I just think it was, like, too much for him at the time. I think he's going to be a super successful coach like Fuente. We haven't heard the last of him. He'll probably sign on somewhere really good, be a, a position coach for a while, eventually get back to being a coordinator somewhere. But I think he'll do it very differently next time around. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree. I, th I like Jay Ham, like you say, but I just don't think he was ready. He's a little too young for it. And uh, he honestly had a lot to work with uh, after a lot of players left and he was kind of building with, uh, not a lot of players in, in like a power five setting. So I think he, his situation didn't really help him out a whole lot. I thought he did a good job this past season, uh, considering what he had and right. what, he, what the year they was coming off of. Jay Ham ended up being a pawn in the Fuente scheme. Um, the Galen Scott shit happened. We were kind of scrambling for a Bud Foster replacement Obviously, with Virginia Tech, um, it's a school where they can't just go out and go get Lovey Smith, come be our DC. They, 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 don't, they don't operate like that. So I think they was caught scrambling. Fuente had, at the time was catching a lot of heat for not giving a fuck about alumni, former players. So it was like he can kill two birds with one stone. He can get a cheap replacement, but also uh, appease the alumni base and that too. So it, Jay Ham was a... Uh, it was a game within the game. It was deeper than just making him DC. They were trying to save a couple of dollars and appease people at the same time. And um, that's how that kind of shook out for real, for real. Mm -hmm. You can't make everybody happy all the time. Like he made the decision to like do a little fan service and expensive, like winning games. And, and you're the head football coach at Virginia tech. Your job is to win football games, focus on winning football games, bring in whoever you need to bring in, Pay however much you need to pay, but bring in like a defensive coordinator that's going to win football games. Yes. 
That would have been Galen Scott, but he couldn't keep his dick in his pants. <laughs> what what is a man to do? He like I bought the person in. Um what else we got? What else we got going on? I'm I'm out of questions. Uh I'm pretty much uh running a blog, running up running up website. Um is that easy? Is that hard? Um yeah, it's it's pretty easy. Like I've I've done like websites and stuff for a long time because I'm a huge nerd, if you can't tell. Um, so yeah, it's it's not hard. Like what's hard for me is like I I'm not a good writer, right? And like I don't know if like people who read my site can tell. Like that's not what I do. Like I'm not a writer for a living. Like um, so I think the hard thing for me is taking like my thoughts on like the football games and putting them into words and like not making it sound terrible. Um, right. and, I, and for that, I like use technology to like help me write better. And so I'm trying to get better at writing, but really all I want to do is like, Hey, here are my thoughts on the game. Here's who I think is going to win. Here's what I want you. Well, here's what I think you guys should look for in the game. Like, here's what's important to who wins and loses and just kind of try to educate Hokie nation on like what I think is going to happen. I'm not always right. I even did like a blog post recently. How did I do with my predictions this year? Like my preseason predictions were pretty good my week to week predictions were pretty terrible. Um, so like, yeah, sometimes I'm good. Sometimes I'm not. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, no, your pre your preseason predictions. I mean, outside, I think you had us losing to North Carolina. I think everybody did. I can't get you flat for that one. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think you had us beating Pitt and Cuse, but other than that, you was pretty, you was pretty on point. Yeah. I'll say, like, our head coach lost us a couple of those games. but yeah. Absolutely. Yes, he did. <laughs> Without question. What do you think was the most frustrating loss from this past season? Damn, this is a, this is a hard one. Um, so, like, three, three are, like, clearly stand out to me. Um, and I'll say all three of us, like, and, and, like, I think this metric is stupid, but I, like, use this metric to, like, analyze football games so like espn does their like percentage to win on everything yeah right mm-hmm. there was three games where with five minutes left in the game we were over 95 percent to win these games right the first one i can think of and i remember it very clearly we were playing west virginia mm-hmm. we've got <laughs> first and goal on the five yard line two minutes remaining in the game and i believe we have all three timeouts um we like any college football team i don't care if you're g5 power five fcs like you should be able to score in that situation um (laughs) for some reason we couldn't get out of our own way we lost that game um that was a bad loss you're 95 percent plus to win you lose um let's see what was the other one? Oh, notre dame like notre dame i believe we're winning by nine five mm. minutes remaining um like we've just scored to go up two scores five minutes left 95 plus percent to win and somehow like and like i talked like my brother's not a big football guy i talked to my brother about this and i'm like how the hell do you lose that game <laughs> like mm-hmm. like essentially like they can score once but basically you just got to get like like you don't even need to stop you just need to slow them down enough that they can't score on you twice with five minutes remaining in the game somehow by some miracle like notre dame was able to score twice and we lost um and like i think i just blacked this like blanked this one out or blacked this one out just because like i was so like upset and frustrated but like i remember like the same thing in the syracuse game we had no Mm -hmm. business like losing that game and so, somehow we punted it. It was like the same situation as the Notre Dame game. I, I don't know. I think we were up eight or nine. It might have been one score. It might not have been two scores. Um, with five minutes left, and somehow, like, we let Syracuse score twice, and we lose that game too. Um, and, so, so, like, it, like, I put that on the head coach, man. Like, though, all three of those games, those are games that you should win. I feel like if Brent Pry was the head coach and he was coaching those three games – those would be three wins. They would not be. Yes, we take, we take those home. Yes, we, we do. We take those home. Yes, we, we take do. those home. Uh, the Fuente era, it, 
it was that was the era that broke Hokie Nation. It was the most everybody was at everybody's throat. It wasn't safe to tweet. It was, <laughs> it was everybody war. was on everybody's neck. Uh Fuente would do goofy shit like get thrown in pools and people would say, see, he's a great guy. I mean, it was bad. <laughs> it was it was nasty times uh during the Fuente era, but Hopefully, I mean, Brent Pry and his staff are saying the right things. I just need to see them do the right things, which they have been so far. They've been kissing the right babies and shaking the right hands. Um, And we can get this thing rolling because in 2022, we have a very manageable schedule. Um, I don't expect us to win the ACC or nothing, but um, if you want to start bouncing back, the schedule set up for at least six or seven wins. You agree? So I'll say it this way. Like, so I think you'll like this. Like, so I think as you would describe it, our roster this year was very mid, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Like, and like, we can agree that if like somebody not named Justin Fuente was the head coach with a very mid roster, like we could have won those three games that I just talked about. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like just with like, uh, like I'm a baseball guy with replacement level coaching with like very average coaching, we could have won those three games. And that takes us from a six win season to a nine win season. So like, maybe I'm being like a super homer and like super optimistic, but I think like at some point, if we just get like rational, reasonable, average replacement level coaches, we win some like coaching, we win some of those games. So I'm hoping that's what like year one of Brent Pry looks like. I know in my heart and like, um, it's not, I like, I know in my head, it's not going to play out like that. It's going to take longer and we're going to have to rebuild the roster, but I'm just saying like Justin Fuente himself lost to some of those games this year. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I'm right. He lost to some of them. He lost us a lot of recruits too. Uh, <laughs> which, what's the at treadmill horse on social media? Is you on Instagram? You on snap? What other social media are you on? Um, everything I do is just dumb tweets. So Twitter's the only thing I'm on. Like, I don't do anything visual, so I can't do Instagram. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've thought yeah, about but you're doing not on Instagram. I, I, I myself am on Instagram, but I don't do like treadmill horse on it. Oh, uh, you don't want them to know your Instagram. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, no. It's a horny burner. I got Dude, you. My, my, my Instagram is like the most boring Instagram, like on earth. Like, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Mine is too, till you see my bookmarks. <laughs> Some horny activities going down on the gram. <laughs> so just treadmill horse on Twitter. You know, no other yeah. social. Yeah, treadmill horse on Twitter. Like, check out the blog. Like, mm. I, I'm trying to write about basketball. I just suck at basketball. I can't analyze. We basketball. suck at basketball too. Yes, we're bad. All right, cool. Like, I, I've tried. <laughs> I get excited about basketball. Like, I, I know a good play versus a bad play, but like, I, I'm not gonna like analyze it for people. So I'm gonna spare them that. But yeah, like, yeah, check bro, out the, the basketball, basketball team is ass. They don't want to hit that shit. Yeah, <laughs> they look pretty bad the other night. They're uh, they're struggling pretty heavily. That's for sure. So treadmill horse, treadmillhorse.com. Treadmillhorse.com, treadmill horse on Twitter. And yeah, like, and also one thing just to tell tell your folks, like, I like interacting with anybody. Like, this I like true. talking. Like, I'm sorry, like sometimes I get busy, so like I can't respond to like everything, but I try to respond to as much as I can. I love talking like VT, anything VT. So just like uh, like please like interact with me. I'm happy to respond to you. If you want to DM me, cool, DM me. Sounds good. Like, I, I just like talking uh, tech football, tech basketball, or just anything Virginia Tech related. Yeah, this is true. I, I went through our interactions over the years, and we've been interacting for quite a long time. <laughs> Nothing crazy. No back and forths, no fuck you, none of that. Just all. <laughs> I was shocked because I normally get fuck you a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> When I get that to that point, I just log off Twitter. So like, like this is this was my move in the Justin Fuente era, just to give you a behind the scenes. Like, game ends. I take like a deep breath. Like, I got my water with me. So like, either like, like, sip on a beer or drink some water. Like, chill for a second. Like, think about the game. 
give some like last second thoughts. All right, here's what I thought like happened in this game. And then I'm like, I'm turning Twitter off. Like it's off, close the computer, like put away the phone. I'm like, I'm taking like at least like four hours away from this crap. Just cause like, if I keep going, I'm just gonna get pissed off and like go into like FU mode. So like I decided not to do yeah. that. I'm like, cool, take four hours off and I'll come back to this later. That's good. That's how you keep Justin Fuente following you too, by the way. <laughs> just log off. Cause let me tell you something. That motherfucker ever followed me. I'm gonna sorry. Hey, listen, you you fucked it up. Who the fuck you in the bed? But that's it for Don V Fridays, man. I want to thank Dan, aka Treadmill Horse, for coming on, blessing us with his appearance. Um now on, on page on Patreon, this is visual, but you till you broke motherfuckers, you still don't know what it look like. So that's just the way it go. <laughs> Anything left you got to say to the people before we log out? I'm gorgeous. So so get on the Patreon <laughs> to, to take a look at my beautiful face, you know, like my, my gorgeous smile. Yeah, and your uh, helmet yeah, wall like, too. My helmet wall. No, you do wall, look good, bro. Like like Paul, like no homo. I mean, well, fuck it. I'm <laughs> fuck it. I'm gay. Fuck all that. You look good, bro. So, you know, get the Patreon. Uh, yes, tell, tell them people get on the Patreon, man. Yeah, uh, Don V and Drift doing some big things, doing awesome things. I, I supported the Patreon today. I got on the train, so you guys should too. Like, it's it's awesome. Keep doing keep doing big things. Uh, I'm a big fan, so just keep up the good work. Thanks, yeah, man. Thank we you. appreciate you. And Drift, you got anything left to say to the people? Yeah, we'll uh we'll we'll run through this in a second. We're gonna give our I'm gonna go through and do shout outs for uh for all of our Patreons in the legend tier. Uh but uh thank you to everybody that topped on the Patreon so far. It's only been up about a week and uh, we've had a ton of support so far. It's gonna, yes. gonna keep it going and uh keep doing different things. So stay tuned and uh have a blessed week. We'll be back next week.